Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium. Belatedly, early Friday morning, September 30th, but this is the news and views for uh, Thursday, uh, September 29th, uh, Friday, September 30th, 2016. It has been an incredible week of news. In fact, the reason I'm late is I spent most of the day yesterday going through all the stories that people were sending me and trying to figure out which one I was going to do my news and views on. And I decided to do this news and views on several stories to try to connect a lot of dots from several different news stories that have all happened in this last week to see if I can make some sense of it. But I'm going to center my commentary around three articles concerning the situation that is now spinning out of control to a certain extent in Syria. So I want to start with uh, an article that appeared in Russia Insider, all right? And originally this appeared on uh, the Russian website Sputnik. This is an article by uh, Mr. Dmitry Vinogradov. And um, the headline here is, The Russian Ministry of Defense, We're Ready for Syria Dialogue with the U.S., but threats against our, our military are unacceptable. Now, I want to put this into context here. You recall that the week before we saw the United States so supposedly mistakenly bomb Syrian army forces, all right? This is supposedly an accidental bombing. Now, folks, I don't believe this for a moment, not with global positioning uh, satellites and so on uh, that the U.S. military has. So I don't believe this uh, bombing was accidental. I think it was somebody just taking it into their own hands and deciding to do it, a rogue element, in other words, within the American command structure. Now, the Russian response to that, you'll recall, was basically to say what I have just said, that this could not have been an accident. So Russia changed its rules of engagement. That's a part of the story that goes forgotten in many of the commentaries. But Russia changed its rules of engagement and said, okay, no more of this. If any aircraft is suspected of making a threatening or hostile action or accidentally does, we will shoot it down, be it Israeli, Turkish, or American. So in other words, Russia has said, if you want to keep playing that game, we will shoot you down. Because like it or not, Russia is in Syria legitimately by the invitation of the Syrian government. All right. Now, this is the backdrop now for the story as we've seen emerge this week, and we're going to begin with this article by Mr. Dmitry Vinogradov that originally appeared in Sputnik magazine. Now I've linked it to the uh, Russian Insider article uh, in the in the web. <coughs> Pardon me. It's that time of year, folks. All right, it's, it begins this way, quote, Russia is fully ready to continue the dialogue with the United States regarding joint actions to combat terrorists in Syria, the Russian Ministry of Defense has said. It's stressed, however, that this is only possible if Washington abstains from any hints of threats to Russia's military and citizens. The statement, listen to this, the statement came in response to comments made by U.S. State Department spokesperson John Kirby at a press briefing Wednesday. Kirby said, listen to this, folks, that if the war in Syria continues, quote, more Russian lives will be lost, 
more Russian aircraft will be shot down, as extremist groups will continue to exploit vacuums that are there in Syria to expand their operations, which could include attacks against Russian interests, perhaps even Russian cities, unquote. Speaking on Thursday, the Russian Ministry of Defense spokesman, Major General, and notice that when they refer to the, their own Ministry of Defense people, it's spokesman, and they use the politically correct spokesperson when they're talking about uh, Mr. Kirby. Speaking on Thursday, the Russian Ministry of Defense spokesman, Major General Igor uh, Konoshenkov said, quote, once again, we declare that we are fully prepared to continue the dialogue with the American side and carry on with the joint actions to combat terrorists in Syria. However, even the slightest hints of a threat to our soldiers and Russian citizens must be excluded from the dialogue. The matter of safety of Russian citizens, wherever they may be, is not up for bargaining. It is our main and unconditional priority, unquote. Now, in other words, what Russia is responding to, <coughs> pardon me, folks, what Russia is responding to is precisely what they perceive as a threat to widen the West's covert war using terrorist cutouts inside of Russia itself. And you just heard the Ministry of Defense response. So in other words, Russia is kind of, the way I'm reading this, folks, Russia is kind of saying, all right, if you want to play the covert war game and you start doing this in Russia, Russia will respond. All right. And I think what that means is that Russia will respond with covert operations inside Western nations that are backing and sponsoring and supporting Washington's policy. Now, I want you to bear that analysis in mind because now we're going to turn to yet another analysis, this time appearing in RT in Russia today in a short article by Mr. Adam Hill, and this appeared just yesterday, as a matter of fact. And the headline, I love the headline here, the headline of this article says, quote, Carrie, if Russia doesn't back down from Aleppo, we will sit in a corner and pout. <laughs> okay. And let me read the beginning of this article because there's an analysis about this position that I want to get to uh, from the Saker, all right? And I'm reading from the article immediately below the heading, Carry to Russia, Stop Bombing Aleppo, or We Will Stop Talking to You. Quote, Secretary of State John Kerry on Wednesday warned that the United States would stop talking to Moscow about ending Syria's civil war unless it ends the onslaught in the city of Aleppo by Russian and Syrian government forces. And again, I have to stress, Russia is there at the invitation of the Syrian government. We are not. All right? That's right. If the Russians don't call off the ongoing Aleppo offensive, the U.S. State Department will, quote, stop talking to them, unquote. Terrifying. I'm sure the prospect of John Kerry pouting in his seat and refusing to eat his broccoli is filling the Russians with dread. Of course, the rest of us are wondering, where does Moscow find the truly amazing patience to continue talking with the Americans? Now, bear that question in mind because it's going to be very important in a moment. With half of the Obama administration dead set against the lavrov Kerry Treaty from the start, the very real possibility that Dyer Elzor bombing was an Ash Carter move to sabotage the deal. 
and the rush to blame Russia for a very strange attack on a UN convoy that buried the ceasefire. There really doesn't seem to be a lot of point to it. All right, now, what's, what's the view from the Russian side here? I want to point you to the third article I've linked here. This is an article from the Saker, the Vineyard of the Saker. Now, this gentleman is a Russian, all right? And pardon me again for the sinuses, folks. This gentleman is a Russian, and it's, it's one of the best websites that you can go to to understand what's going on in Russia, all right? And this gentleman has it nailed, and I think he's more or less saying the same thing that I've been trying to say, that Russia now is not a neo-Stalinist state. Mr. Putin is not trying to revive the Soviet Union. In fact, Russia now is entering a, a cultural, national, and political experiment, and in certain sense, may be the first post-postmodern state, all right? Now, this gentleman, I want to direct your attention to the article, Why the Recent Developments in Syria Show that the Obama Administration is in a State of Confused Agony. And I want to direct you to the third paragraph there where he analyzes and parses a Russian word that is now being used in discussions inside of Russia about the United States. And I hope I will pronounce it correctly, folks. It's been years uh, since I've had to use any Russian at all. So if you speak Russian, please forgive me if I butcher the, the pronunciation. But the third paragraph begins this way, quote, then the U.S., the United States Air Force, along with a few others, bombed a Syrian military army unit which was not on the move or engaged in intense operations, but which was simply holding a key sector of the front. The U.S. strike was followed by a massive offensive of the moderate terrorists, <laughs> which was barely contained by the Syrian military and Russian aerospace forces. Needless to say, following such a brazen provocation, the ceasefire was dead. The Russians expressed their total disgust and outrage at this attack and openly began saying that the Americans were nye dogovorovspoye, I think that's more or less close to the pronunciation, forgive me, but he gives you the Kyrillic there, and, and he's doing so because you have to see the Russian word. You have to understand how strong a word this is. And he goes on to say, what the word means is literally not agreement capable or unable to make and then abide by an agreement. While polite, this expression is also extremely strong as it implies not so much a deliberate deception as the lack of the very ability to make a deal and abide by it. For example, the Russians have often said that the Kiev regime is, quote, not agreement capable, unquote, and that makes sense considering that the Nazi-occupied Ukraine is essentially a failed state. But to say that a nuclear world superpower, <clears throat> pardon me, is not agreement capable, is a terrible and extreme diagnostic. It is basically meaning that the Americans have gone crazy and lost the ability to make any kind of deal. 
Again, a government which breaks its promises or tries to deceive, but who at least in theory remains capable of sticking to an agreement would not be described as not agreement capable. That expression is only used to describe an entity which does not even have the skill set needed to negotiate and stick to an agreement in its political toolkit. This is an absolutely devastating diagnostic, unquote. Now, I happen to agree with, with essentially with the Saker's analysis and with the other Russian analysis of the situation here. The United States is, is out of control. It's, it's now become whole, wholly reckless, all right? But now the question is, why? And I want to connect some dots for you and just toss this out there as some high-octane speculation. And you may have a, a, a completely different and equally valid approach to this. I don't know. But there were other stories this week that I thought were very peculiar, given the context of what we were seeing. You'll recall that the United States Congress passed a bill allowing American citizens to sue Saudi Arabia for its role in 9-11. The Saudis over, I think about a year ago, said that if this bill passes, we will dump all of our U.S. debt, all right? In other words, the Saudis were threatening basically to, if not collapse the American economic system, at least punish it severely, all right? Now, Congress went ahead and passed it. President Obama vetoed that bill, and now both the House and the United States uh, Senate have overridden President Obama's veto, all right? I think this is a crucial crucial part of the story, because if you look at 9-11 and what has happened since then, I think it's very clear that the United States, to a certain extent, is acting as a proxy, as a front for wars that ultimately are to the benefit of Saudi Arabia. Every state that the United States has gone after in the Middle East has been a moderate and more or less secular Arab Muslim state. Iraq was this way, now Syria, Egypt, <coughs> certainly Muammar Gaddafi in Libya was trying to move in a liberalizing direction. So in other words, the United States is burning the Middle East but effectively, I think the United States is acting as a shill for Saudi Arabia. I think this is the reason the Obama administration was so dead set against passing that bill. Now, let's add to this the strong connections of both the Clintons and the Bushes to Saudi Arabia. And I think what we have now is clear indication that the American government, at least so far as its foreign policy in the Middle East is concerned, is a if I can put it bluntly and, and frankly, a hostage government. In other words, it's not making its own foreign policy. And this, I think, is what the Russians have been hinting at. Let's go back and recall two years ago as the Ukrainian crisis was, was getting underway that the Russian economics advisor, Sergei Glazyev, says our problem isn't the Nazis in Kiev. Our problem is the Nazis in Washington. And, I, and he meant that. In other words, I think what they're saying is, is that Washington now, the, the federal government, the, the foreign policy of the United States is no longer even being run in a fashion that is representing Americans' 
interests at all. It's being run in a completely crazy way and by somebody else, all right? So in other words, connect the dots here, all right? Connect the dots. The debt, the Saudi threat to use it, the Congress passing a bill that allows Americans to sue Saudi Arabia, and that's a huge thing, folks, because it means, and again, those documents do implicate uh, Saudi Arabia very, very clearly. However, in any lawsuit, this means a lawyer representing those families can use the process of discovery and find out other things. So in other words, I think that Obama's veto of that bill wasn't so much that they were afraid that this would uncover the Saudi connection and implicate and, and involve America in Saudi threats of retaliation. I think what their real fear is, is that in a lawsuit using the process of discovery, other players might be found because the Saudi connection was has been known to the 9-11 truth movement for a very, very long time. This is not news, in other words. So there's another motivation behind the president's veto. So anyway, that's my high-octane speculation here, folks. This is, this is a huge development. It's not looking good. Uh, and I hate to say this, I'm more on the Russian side of this story than I am on the American side of this story. It's just not making sense. But, you know, that's my high-octane speculation. You may have a completely different approach. You may have a completely different analysis. But anyway, that's it for today's news and views from the Nefarium. I'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye, and God bless.